this morning, we're going to jump back into Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible and want to open to that, um, Ecclesiastes 4 is where we're going. And we've been week by week just following him as he leads us through uh, looking at what's happening under the sun. Like what on this earth, if we, if we kind of take God out of the equation for a minute, we look at what's happening on this earth and what is going to be fulfilling, meaningful in this life. And he just has been going on quest after quest. So we, he looked at the path of wisdom. Like, what, like, if I'm wise enough, will that bring me meaning in life? And he says, of course, no. Uh, what if I'm like super rich and just try all the pleasure that I can attain? He says, nope, that doesn't do it for us either. And he just kind of goes through the, the path of wise living, the path of working hard. Like all these things just kind of keep letting us down. And this morning, um, a, the, the exact same theme on the, on the theme of achievement, okay? What if I could just achieve enough and accomplish something for myself? And he's going to say it lets us down. So as I'm, as I'm processing this, I'm like, what, what are our paths to achievement? And so I started my sermon prep this week by searching, uh, Googling Tony Robbins quotes, okay? If you want to know how to succeed, you got to start with Tony Robbins. And so here's, here's some of the advice that he gives us. If you talk about it, it's a dream. If you envision it, it's possible. And if you schedule it, it's real, okay? So you guys good? Go out, be successful with that. Um, another one, he says, if you can't, you must. And if you must, then you can. Do you see how he like turns it? And like right at the end of that quote, it's like, oh, I guess I can do it. I, I started the quote, I thought I couldn't, and now I can. If you can't, then you must. And if you must, then you can, okay? So should I keep preaching or is that good? Are you guys all right? <laughs> You're good with that? I just feel like, I mean, so nothing against Tony Robbins. Like, he, he encourages and inspires all kinds of people. But I just feel like our, our standards of success are vague and weird and let us down. And then the, the means by which we're taught to go, go out and get it, go out and achieve it, um, are so uh, nonsensical at times, right? And it's just kind of a way of just psyching ourselves up and let's just keep trying harder. And I feel like at the end of the day, we need words like this from the preacher that he's gonna give us. They're, they're hard, okay? And they're, they're like less encouraging than Tony Robbins. They're hard, but they're good for us to kind of recalibrate our hearts and say, what am I even trying to accomplish anyway? So here's how he starts. In, in Ecclesiastes 4, we're gonna start in verse 4. He says, then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Okay, so here, here he just starts off right off the bat. He's like, look, I'm looking at all of our toil, like all the labor we put out, and then all the skill that we develop over time to be able to do those things well. And, and I'm, he's like, I'm looking at all of it, and all of it just comes down to we're only working so hard, and we're only getting so good at this, so that, or because we are envious of the people around us. We're just trying to be better than or equal to the people that are around us. That's, that's pretty bleak, okay? And I, I, I started off being like, okay, all right, I appreciate you like searching this, but that accusation doesn't fit me. I'm not doing things out of envy or whatever. But then you, you kind of pause and you think, okay, why, why do I want to earn more money? Why do I want to be successful in my career? Why do I want to have a good family? And you find as you process these things that there is a side of which, yeah, he's probably a little more right than I'd like to uh, begin uh, thinking or I'd like to admit at the beginning. I watched, um, I'm now like two times through watching The Last Dance, which is um, this documentary on Michael Jordan and the 1990s Bulls when they won six championships and just like dominated everyone. And it's, it's like the best thing. It's basically Michael Jordan agreed to do this. He's like the, the main interviewee on this whole thing to prove that he's the greatest of all time. And, and lo and behold, the documentary does indeed prove that. It's crazy. 
And, uh, but he's going through and he's talking about all these like championship runs that they did. And, and there's all these events where like somebody else is like coming up. So there's one where like Carl Malone gets the MVP for the regular season. And Michael Jordan, you could just tell how much that bothered him. He's like, he's like, oh, okay, you're going to give him the MVP? Okay, that's fine. Now I'm going to dominate you in the NBA finals and prove that that was a poor choice and it should have been me. You know? And his whole life just seems to be motivated by like, I'm going to be better than everybody else and prove to everybody that I'm the best. Now, we're not Michael Jordan. Um, uh, none of us uh, really are Michael Jordan. Maybe you're the Michael Jordan of your field. Um, depending on how small you set that field, maybe you are. Um, I'm, I'm the Michael Jordan of dads in my family. So, um, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like that, that, that whole thing, that mindset, actually translates pretty well into a bunch of things that we do. Now, some of it's as silly as, like, you open up your Instagram feed, right? And you're just looking at these friends, these people that you love or the people that you kind of hate follow, you know, just to kind of see what stupid things they're up to and whatever. But you're looking and it's like, oh man, they're taking that vacation. Must be nice, you know? Oh man, they're like able to do this kind of like family pictures. Oh, they're doing like, you just like watch what people are doing. And so much of, I think of our motivation of how we want to be and what we do and where we go and how we spend our money like comes from this like weird desire to compete with these people like some of whom we don't even like that much if we're honest with each- ourselves, right? And even the people we do like, there's this weird competition where we, we decide what's best for us or what we're gonna go after or what motivates us comes from this selfishness. So, so the preacher is looking at that and he's saying, look, I'm just seeing people working so hard and developing all this skill just so that they can be better than the people around them. And he's saying, that's just vanity. The, the word he uses, it's havel. It means it's like, it like escapes your grasp. It's like hard to get a hold of. It's an enigma. You can't figure out what's going on with life. And he says it's a striving after the wind. So go chase, try to catch the wind if you want to. You're never going to do it. It's a, a foolish pursuit. And he, so he says, man, this is all just worthless. The next thing he says, so that whole thing of like skill and labor and all that kind of stuff, which just comes from this envy. Then he says the fool folds his hands and then eats his own flesh. Weird thing to say. In, in Proverbs, actually, he says it like this. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And, and if we pause there, I'm like, I feel like that would be like a great, uh, you know, put it in a frame in your living room or like the back patio or something like that. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding. That feels great, right? But then he drops the hammer and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man, right? So if you, if you rest and you put those hands together and you just chill back, then you are like done. Like poverty comes after you. And here the preacher is saying, the fool folds his hands and he eats his own flesh. He does, he's not providing for himself. He's not gaining anything, not bringing anything in. And so he just uh, withers away, wastes away, kind of consumes himself in his laziness. So this is, like, this is like the long Netflix binge, okay? Where you're just sitting back and it's just show after show and it's week after week and it's, you're kind of just withdrawing. Okay, so I don't want the rat race. I don't need all this. Like society's kind of passed me by. I'm just going to chill and I'm going to be fine. And, and so he's just showing how, man, this is not going to be very appealing or very satisfying for you either if you're just saying, what's the point in overexerting myself? I'm just going to chill here and relax, this long sort of sedentary slouch that we get into. And so this lazy approach, he's saying, boy, that's not going to do it either. Um, so what does he say in verse 6? This is decent advice. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. So I think what he's showing is like the first person who's working out of envy, two hands in the work, man. Just like accomplish everything I can so that I can just do it all. And then on the other side, there's the fool who's taking two hands and just kind of relaxing and sitting back. And so he's saying better than both of those is 
take a handful of quietness, a handful of rest, right? Another handful of work. And you, and you kind of develop that work-life balance where it's like, yes, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to provide. I'm going um, to work and get in there. But I'm also going to take time to rest and relax. Like finding enjoyment in the things that God allows us to do is really good. It shows that our, our work doesn't have to be about competition. Our work doesn't have to be about getting ahead of everybody else. It doesn't have to be about proving anything to anyone. But we get in there and we work, but we also make sure, yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to accomplish it all. And I don't have to be better than everyone else. And I don't have anything to prove. And so I'm just going to kind of go about it in a way that enjoys what God gives me to enjoy. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I, uh, as I'm processing this and I'm trying to internalize it, I just, I feel like uh, there's so much in church life that like this applies to as well. And I've been part of churches where there is a lot more of a like striving energy to it. And I think so much of that is fueled by like enemy or envy of our neighbors or of the other churches, right? So it's like, man, this church is doing great. Like we can be better than that, right? We, we can get bigger. We can be more exciting. We can be more entertaining. And there's this work and we're all kind of diving in. Let's give more. Let's serve more. Let's do more. And this like preacher, I think, would invite us to kind of step back and just say, okay, like, hey, that's going to wear you out and it's exhausting. Like, take a handful of work for the Lord. Do it. Take a handful of rest. Make sure that you're acknowledging that it's all about me. And I, I, I believe Creekside is more in this vein than I want to see us more and more be the kind of place where we invest in each other. Uh, we work hard. We, we, like, serve each other in this church family. But we also take time to just rest and enjoy. And, and I'll tell you, certainly that's, like, true of pastors. Like, that pull to just do more and impress more and accomplish more. Instead of just saying, hey, we're going to be a family that God allows us to be. We're going to work, but we're going to rest, and we're going to enjoy that together. So here's how he starts it. This whole, this whole like juxtaposition of these kind of different ways of approaching work life. And so I'm, I'm kind of giving you a few questions that he's asking. That first question was, um, why are you working so hard? The second question I think he poses for us is, who are you working for? Um, and so I'm going to look at the next few verses here, starting in verse 7. He says, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So here he's working through, like, okay, the question of, okay, you're working so hard, why? Also, who are you working for? So he's like, here's a person that's just striving to be satisfied, working, 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 but he has no one to share his stuff with or his accomplishments with or his paycheck with. And that person is just like, it's like, this is just meaningless. Like, look around. You don't have a, a brother or, or a son or, or like anyone to pass this on to. Like, you're not doing it with everybody. And he's saying that's going to just like leave you feeling unsatisfied. There's no way to be satisfied if you're working just for yourself. We were designed to work for the benefit of the people that are around us, to share that with other people. Um, and so he's kind of pulling us back from that whole thing and saying, hey, don't get caught up in that. Then he talks about how it's way better to live and work in community. He gives us a few like um, wise tips about why it's better to work together. So in verse 9, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. So basically, yeah, you can do a good job on your own, but if you work together with somebody, you can be more productive, you can be more efficient. That's good advice, right? Uh, verse 10, he, he tells us uh, if they fall, 
one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And this is such good advice that there was a commercial in the 90s that ran with this message all the time. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You guys have seen that? So you can either have life call on hand and, and, and uh, someone that you can call like in the paramedics come, or you can work together side by side. And when you fall down, there's someone there that can pick you up. So he's saying um, definitely it's less dangerous to work with other people and be side by side. Um, verse 11, again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? So definitely the body heat of two people is greater than the body heat of one person. And I think that's about all I'm going to say about that other than some of you guys are going to try to cash in on that line tonight. It's in the Bible. So um, then verse 12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so he's saying, you know, same thing, like it, it's, there's this benefit that you can accomplish more it, it, together than you could by yourself. And so there's this protection and everything else that comes. Like two is definitely better than one. Three is better than two. Perhaps it's better to have four than three. We could see him just kind of all these ways. He's kind of looking at people. So he's saying, we all work so hard because we're trying to impress everybody. But here it's like he's saying, what if we stop trying to impress the people around us and we started instead thinking, let's love and serve the people that are around us. Why don't we start doing some things together, right? Why, don't we, why are we trying to climb to the top of a ladder or a mountain or something? And why don't we instead stop trying to impress and instead just say, hey, let's work together for this. So I think, I think sometimes too, we get into a mode where we're trying to like um, provide for other people or like we're not, not inconvenience other people. So sometimes our hard work is like, I don't want to like inconvenience my family or my friends or my church family. And so I'm going to do all the work for them. And I think he's saying like, that's not how work is designed to be. You don't have anyone to impress. Uh, work together side by side. Share your life, share your work with somebody else. And that pulls us away from that like scarcity mentality of like, I've got to get it all before somebody else does. Community is better. And so he's saying here, community is better. But here's the problem he's highlighting. Good advice Take it. Communities better do things together. But what he's saying is, when I look, though, at the world around me, I know that community is better. But when I look at the world around me, I see a bunch of people that are alone, people that are by themselves, uh, people that want to be by themselves and people that don't, right? People that are, like, striving to impress everybody. Like, and so I, I feel like what he's looking at this life, he's just saying, this is one of these things that just shows how, like, broken our life is, is that here we are, we live in a society, sometimes it's just Man, the people that are our companions are ripped away from us. That's like a heartbreaking reality that happens in this world. There's also the side of things where our society kind of pulls us to isolate from each other. And, you know, the last few years gave us a bunch of reasons to divide from people. Like we used to be close, but then we're like, oh, turns out we disagree on this. I guess we can't hang out anymore. And there's this isolation that comes in. Um, there's fear of all kinds of societal things and that pulls us further apart. And even the way we're taught to work uh, is isolating, right? I'm going to achieve on my own. We're Americans. We stand on our own two feet. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so all of our culture pulls us into this isolation. He's just saying, man, this whole thing is going to leave you empty if you try to find satisfaction in it. And so last week, uh, as he was talking through, um, through, through all this different stuff, he was saying how, like, man, God gives us, like, enjoy the stuff that God gives you to enjoy. Enjoy the work that God gives you to do. Find joy in that. This week, it's like he's adding this layer of saying, yes, enjoy what God gives you to do, and also find somebody that you can share that with, um, because it's so much better for us to live and serve together. So the question is, who are you working for? Really important question to ask. Next question that he asks in verse 13, um, he's going to ask, what will your achievement accomplish? 
So we're, we're all kind of sitting at the feet of these mountains that we're trying to climb. And he's kind of asking, look, if you were able to get to the top of it, what would that actually do for you? So he gives us a parable, a story that illustrates the, the meaninglessness of this. So verse 13, better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For I went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. So he's painting this picture of a, um, a young, wise um, youth and a old, foolish king. Okay, so picture the king. The king is there, and he's, um, he's old, so he's like, he's lived a little. He's got life experience, okay? He's been the king probably for a while, and so he's got this lived experience, but he calls him a fool because there he is, he's in that thing, and he's not willing to take advice from anyone else. Um, meanwhile, there's this poor youth, like, doesn't have any money, doesn't have any resources, but he's wise, and he's young, he's like the up-and-comer, and he's just showing how their roles kind of got reversed. Like, the, the youth was born in prison, and he gets all the way to the, the top of the whole thing, and so it's this kind of cool success story. It's like, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like Rudy, or it's like, um, I don't know, it's the American dream, right? You start out small, you start out low, you start out poor, and you get to the top of the whole thing, and it's this beautiful picture, but what is the preacher saying about that? Even if you could get that, even if you could do it, you'll find that it doesn't satisfy in the way that you want. I mentioned this um, a, a few weeks ago, but one of my favorite Jimmy Eat World songs is called My Sundown. And it says, with my hands held high, I'll show them my progress. You'll show them your progress and you'll take your time, but no one cares. And the whole point, I think, is just saying like, like do it, accomplish it all. Go from like prison to, to the president of the United States. Wouldn't that be incredible? And yet, remember, look at this. At the end of the day, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember, right? Maybe you'll be celebrated for a minute, but in the end, it doesn't actually matter. And so he's just showing like, what are you searching for? And I think there's, there's like different paths here. So he talks about the old king. I feel like that almost represents like the, the old school version of what like a leader looks like, you know? So you think of like the CEO that's like wise, old, seasoned, and like dogmatic, right? Certain about himself. Like here's the vision. Here's the course. We're charting this and um, not willing to take advice from anybody else. Like that used to be kind of prized as the view of the CEO, but, but now we're like, nah, not so much that anymore. That's gotten a little bit uh, old fashioned. Now it's like the, the young, wise, like upstart person, the one that's willing to like, like break the traditions and just kind of get us there. And, and the preacher's just saying, take any path you want, get there however you want to, none of them are going to be fulfilling to you in the end. Neither of them accomplishes anything. So think about the hills that you have in front of you. Think of the ladders that you're trying to climb, the accomplishments, the achievements, the awards, the raises, the promotions, uh, the, the Instagram posts that you'd love to be able to post. Like what would that thing be? And just ask yourself, like step back and just say, yeah, what am I trying to achieve and why am I trying to achieve it? Like, who am I trying to achieve it for? And what do I, like, hope that that achievement will accomplish for me? And, and, I, and I'm really, like, serious about, like, us doing this. Like, think about, like, what is it that you're going after? Because we all are going after plenty of things. And, and you know, me as a pastor, like, that does, I'm not exempt from that. I've got things that I want to accomplish, and I feel like I'll feel and live a certain way if I can do this, and I'll get certain amounts of respect and everything if I can do this. And he's just saying, like, get out of there. Like, stop, stop thinking in those terms. Like, you're going to find life and health and the whole thing. You can lead an empire and still find it 
totally meaningless. If we could just begin to think like the preacher, we'd see, man, any of these pursuits that were making the most important thing, the pinnacle of everything for us, you're going to get there and it's going to topple and you're going to realize it was never that important. It was never there to begin with. So I think that the question is like, who, who are we trying to impress with all this? And I think we have to wrestle with that. Like, really, like, who am I trying to impress? And I, I would say, nobody. Like, I'm, I have nothing to prove. Like, I'm good. But like, I'm trying, to impre- I'm trying to impress you guys. Like, literally right now, I'm trying to impress you guys. Um, how am I doing, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and we go through our lives, right? And we, like, the, the, the things we wear, the things we say, the things we don't say, right? The, 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 the activities we engage in, the ways we serve, like, all of it. Like, there's just this sixth sense in which we're trying to impress everybody around us. Um, Don, Donald Miller uses this illustration of, he, he, was, he said he was reading a book on the old-time circuses, and they had the sideshow acts, and so he's reading this, the, like, about this whole thing. And you'd have, like, the bearded lady, of course. And then you'd have, like, a three-legged man. You know, the guy who was, like, born with an extra leg. And, like, who knows if it's just smoke and mirrors or if he maybe had an a, a, um, extra leg or something. But regardless, he's saying there's this weird tension because the three-legged man started getting, like, a lot of attention. And his pay gets doubled because people are really coming to see the three-legged man. And that makes the bearded lady feel, like, really, like, out of place. And, like, man. And so there's this newspaper article where the bearded lady is completely complaining and she's saying like what did he do to deserve such a blessing as to have a third leg so that he can make all this extra money you know he doesn't deserve that and and Donald Miller is using it to say when we're in these ecosystems where it's like scarcity right there's only so much money to go around there's only so much fame to go around there's only so much acceptance and notoriety to go around then we 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 get ourselves in these weird little worlds where all of a sudden it's like you know I wish I was lucky enough to be born with a third leg you know like, I, I, wish, I wish I could have, you know, a, a beard. I actually do wish I could have a beard. I can't. Uh, but that's, anyway, I guess that is my point um, to some extent. <laughs> uh, but he's just saying, like, are we, so, like, think of us. Like, like, how weird are we in our desire to impress, right? I mean, like, how weird is it that we're like, man, I, re- I wish I was really good at being able to post pictures of myself where people could vote on how worthwhile I am by how many times they like this picture that I post, right? It's so weird. I wish I could learn to just like pose in such a way that people would all just be like, yes, you are worthwhile and you are amazing. Yes, I'm liking that whole thing, right? Think of the, like, how silly it is that like the kind of car that you drive, the little emblem on your car or, the, or whatever, or the, the clothes that you wear like says anything about your value and yet all the energy that we spend to try to make ourselves look a certain way to people that we often don't care about. We don't really like them, but we need their approval or whatever. And even the people that we do like, we, we do the same thing. And so there's this weird sense where there's like, who are we trying to impress? Like we're all just going after it in different ways and we're tearing ourselves apart. Like there's... there's <laughs> We're hurting our bodies. We're hurting our, our mental health. Like we're, we're, we're tearing our society apart. We tear our churches apart by trying to get ahead of each other and trying to impress somebody. And so what I want to do is uh, always uh, be jumping from Ecclesiastes where he poses the problem. And he says, look, this isn't going to work. This is a dead end in that route. And, and we're going to jump from there to a place in the New Testament where we begin to see, okay, here is a solution. Here's an invitation for a way of being that's going to solve this problem that he poses. And this morning, I want to take you to Matthew 11. And in Matthew 11, Jesus gives some of the most beautiful words in the Bible where he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that amazing? 
I feel like we could read that over and over and over again. Jesus inviting us. Okay, who, who are you trying to impress? And the answer to that comes with Jesus saying, come to me. Like you're, you're worn out, you're weary, you're covering this huge burden. Come to me and I'm going to give you rest. And, and he invites us, take, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is like for, for the oxen, they would like be yoked together so they could pull uh, the weight of the, the plow or whatever. And um, also at that time, like a rabbi who was like going around teaching and giving people a way to live, his yoke was like that teaching. And so take my yoke, take my teaching, take my ways upon you. And you're going to find that, man, other people's burdens are heavy. That they, like live like this and it's going to be this heavy slog for you. But Jesus saying, come to me, I'm going to give you rest. Take, take my burden, take my yoke on you. It's light, it's easy, and you're going to find rest for your souls. I mean, that, that's the invitation that I need on a, on, a, on a day in which I'm exhausted, you know? And I think that the reality is we're all kind of existentially, we're all kind of exhausted because we're all trying to run the race and we're all trying to impress each other and we're all trying to accomplish something that's going to give meaning to our lives. And it's like Jesus is just saying like, hey, um, I, I want you just to come here and, and just like give me that burden. I'm going to take it off of you. And, and I want you to just know that you have my approval. Like you walk in my ways and you're going to find rest in the midst of that. I mean, that is a beautiful, huge invitation to us. And the question is, are we finding that rest? Are we finding that rest? Are we sitting in um, these things that Jesus calls us to? Like, could we, could we just try to stop caring what everyone else thinks? Can we stop caring what we ourselves think? Can we let some of those chips just fall off of our shoulders and say, okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be who I am. I'm going to be who God has made me to be. I'm going to still grow and, and like become a better person. I'm going to let the Spirit of God like work and transform me, but I'm going to stop like trying to be some vision of myself that I have or, or that my, my parents have for me, right? Or that my siblings have or that my friends have or that my spouse has. Like I can let go, let go of all those things and man, just like live in the way that's just saying, yeah, Jesus, let me follow you let me let go of all these things. So I think we're, we're trying to impress the people around us. I think sometimes we also are trying to impress God with how we live. And even in the church where we kind of know better, like we know that God doesn't need to be impressed by us. I think even in that mode, we get ourselves into a place where we just, we, we, we're hardwired to like fall back into that. Where it's like, you know, I, I haven't been uh, attending church services as often as I should be. Like maybe God's not that happy with me. And I've been, I've been sinning kind of like every day, right? And it's it, like, come join us. And it's like, hey, join the club. Like, we're all there. Like, we're all sinning every day, right? But um, we get this sense of like, man, if I, if, I, if I could just get it together, then maybe God would be happy with me. And he's just saying, come here. Like, you're exhausting yourself. You're wearing yourself out. Come here. This is my burden. It's so light. Would you take it on yourself? Would you find the rest that I give? Instead of trying to prove ourselves to God, like, remember, the communion table is here to say, Jesus did everything necessary for us to be accepted by God. There's literally, like, all of the stupid things we do to try to impress God are exactly that. They are so stupid. They're so meager. They're so lame compared to what Jesus himself has already done. And our acceptance before God is total, and it's complete, and it's beautiful. It, it is just there waiting for us. And so here is this rest that we're promised. I mean, Jesus is everything, and we just get to participate in that. We get to sit in that. We get to soak in that. We get to benefit from that, from us being simply his children um, called to live and serve and work and, and all these things together in community uh, before him because his sacrifice gives it all. So if we step back to Ecclesiastes, okay, we hear this problem. I mean, strive so hard, whatever. It's never going to be meaningful to you. And we hear Jesus' invitation here. Hey, stop the rat race. Calm and rest in me and, and enjoy that with me. 
I want us to imagine what we would be like if we were a community. So our church family here, like those of us that are here and we're together and we're committing our lives to kind of each other and to, to together pursuing this mission, our, our mission of glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. What if we were a community that, that was like a, a, a Ecclesiastes 4-4 type of a, a community where it's two hands full of toil, right? Uh, motivated by jealousy and envy. What if we were like, all that way, and we all were just like cutthroat and trying to get ahead and trying to prove something to somebody. Like, what if we were a community like that? Imagine what that would look like. I mean, we'd probably be making a good bit of money because we're all motivated, and so probably the offering would be insane. That'd be awesome. However, we would, we would not be invested in each other, right? I mean, we, like, we're all working hard, but we're all working hard against each other, right? We, we'd, be, we'd be in competition. There, there wouldn't be this love, and there wouldn't be this service, and there wouldn't be anything to go and do outside of ourselves. And so if we were that kind of a community, man, like, no time. Everyone's posturing to look a certain way. It would be an ugly type of a church family, okay? On the flip side, imagine us in Ecclesiastes 4, 5 type of a community with the two hands folding the rest, and we're all just home watching Netflix all the time, right? And so we'd be a peaceful bunch, okay? We'd be all super chill, but we wouldn't really be making time for each other. We wouldn't have anything that we're, like, investing in or earning to, like, share with the people around us that are in need, and that would be a really weird, isolated, lazy, low-energy bunch as well. And I'm just telling you right now, I can picture churches that look like both of these types of things, okay? But what if instead we were, like, a handful of work, a handful of rest type of a church, okay? And we were, like, people that, that were working, but not for ourselves, right? And, and we're motivated, but not by like jealousy of each other. And, and we're like working hard and investing ourselves, but not to like dominate or get to the top of anything. We're doing it because, man, we love the people that are around us. And, and like we're, we're like eager to get that like paid time off, uh, not so that we can take the dream vacation so we can Instagram it, but so that we have money to give to people that need the money, right? To bless and think, man, I'm going to I'm going to do this so that I can invite more people over for dinner or so that I can, uh, you know, invite someone on vacation with me or something like that, right? Just investing for the sake of other people. And we can be people that also, like, work really hard, but also, man, we rest and we, and we take time off and we, and we just say, like, it's not all about what I can accomplish and I, I can't accomplish it all. I'm weak and I'm limited. And, um, man, what if we were that kind of a community? And, and I, I say that and I really do believe that we, we are that kind of community, but we always need these reminders. Like sometimes we just get both hands over here in the work world and we're just white knuckling it and we're, we're just not clicking with each other. On the other hand, sometimes we just get a little lazy and we just fold those two hands. But man, a hand of each and a hand of each in a sense that like we're doing it together and for each other and all ultimately for the Lord. Like that is the kind of community that is so compelling and is so beautiful. And I, I just love this reminder always from Ecclesiastes. Like whatever topic he's picking up, it's just like, hey, try it. But I'm just going to let you know, I already did, and it is exhausting, and it's going to let you down. And I want us to hear that, that um, invitation from Jesus, come, find rest for your souls, come, take my burden upon you. So um, the way I want to end uh, our time together this morning um, is I want us to, to uh, pray and process. So always, always we want to process these things. Always I don't want to like short circuit your journey. I think we're on this journey with the, the preacher, and we're kind of trying to allow ourselves to wonder and ponder and wrestle and stretch ourselves. Um, but as we do, I, wanna, I want to ask you to kind of personalize this a little bit and just ask yourself some of these questions that we threw out. Um, why are you working so hard? Who are you trying to impress? Who are you working for? Um, what, what would achievement actually um, achieve? There's a better way to say that, but I'm not going to waste my time trying to get there. Um, uh, and so 
what's the mountain that you're trying to climb and why and for who? Like, ask yourself those questions. And I'm going to ask you to just, on your own, like, say a little prayer before the Lord. We're going to sing some songs. But before we do, just kind of taking a minute to, before the Lord, ask that question. Lord, what am I trying to achieve and why and for who, right? And just ask yourself those questions. And then allow the Lord to speak to you. But I, then I'm going to do one thing further. And you can sit where you're at and you can do that. You can wrestle. Um, that's beautiful. But I'm going to invite you also to um, come over. We've got like our prayer corner over here. So along this wall and in the corner here, um, we're going to have some of our elders, some of our prayer team here. Um, and I'm just going to invite you, like if you're feeling that burden and, and you just want to kind of cast it off, I'm going to invite you to just come over and just, you can explain to the person who's there if you want to, or you can just say, hey, pray for me. And um, there'll be people to pray over you. And sometimes just voicing it, you know, or sometimes just presenting yourself to someone that, that loves and cares for you and is willing to pray over you. Sometimes that's the release we need to say, okay, yes, I have been trying so hard to impress, impress myself, impress God, impress the people around me. I'm going to release it and I want to receive the rest of the Lord. Um, and so during the next two songs, we're going to sing two songs. Um, anytime in those next two songs, if you want to come over here and have someone pray over you, that's great. Otherwise, I just invite all of us to just where we're at, pray that prayer. Lord, what am I trying to achieve? Why am I trying to achieve it? Who am I trying to impress? And just let him speak to you about those things.